I'm Jess. And I'm George. And I'm their cousin Vinny. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between them. So we have your cousin here today visiting us for the yeah, holidays. My, my cousin and her wife are visiting us, and so we we looped her into sitting with us in front of the microphone. Hi. Yeah. Yay. And your cousin yes. is also genderqueer. Yes, my cousin is genderqueer. And so we thought that would be nice to have another queer perspective A for gender today. Queer. It's always nice to have another queer perspective. Yeah. I miss queer perspectives. Do you? Living in the suburbs is yeah getting a little stifling, but... Yeah. For me, but too. The, yes. Yeah. yeah. That's why you came to visit yes, us. Yes, actually. Yes. yes. <laughs> because as we hang out together, there's less stifling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And especially around the gender. Like, where I live, there's uh, some, some queers, but... We never talk about like gender stuff, and actually, like the gender stuff is always in the context of uh, queerdom. Like, if there's a guy and he's a little effeminate, he must be gay. It's not that it, he's an it, effeminate guy. It's all guy, about right? orientation. There's nothing about identity. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. In a bad way. Not not yeah. pleasantly yeah. interesting. Yeah. 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 It's a little hard. Wait, especially when you can. I mean. The reason people are doing that is they're not seeing more or trying to see more or, you know, their, their, their spectrum is limited and it's hard. See it as like, there's all these accesses like at the same time, like, and uh, like, like the gender bread person. Huh? Oh, you're not familiar with the gender bread person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Continue then, I'm sorry. So what I was saying is, like, there's the, you know, like, the the gay straight, like, even that isn't, like, a very good metric. And and actually, I started thinking about this because I watched some guys transition, and they they were lesbians, and then they became gay men, right? And the, and the thing that was, like, there was a gender problem in their life that they had to fix but the thing that was stable was their homosexuality right mm-hmm. and and by homosexuality it meant like attraction to, to the their same, own gender yeah yeah to like the gender that they were at that moment right mm-hmm. and so like even the gay straight like kind of spectrum is not quite correct because it it it's it's built on top of the gender one right yeah mm-hmm. and I'll have to show you the genderbred person. It's really cool because it's got attraction to males and attraction to females on a separate axis. How much do you have this one and how much do you have that one? Mm-hmm. And then how much do you feel like male and how much do you feel like female? And then what is your biological gender? How much of your anatomy and hormonal makeup is male and how much of it is female? And then, But then there's this other thing, which is like maybe it's not about how attracted to your to males or females or, or, you know, like the spread, but like how much am I attracted to the gender that's most like me? Right. Mm -hmm. Which is like a really different way of thinking about that problem. Yeah. And I think like, and I've known this for a while, like if I were to transition, I'd end up a gay guy, which would also be hard. So I might as well stay where I am. Yeah. That would be hard. Yeah. I mean, I think for some guys it's hard and some guys, it's worth it, but, you know, knowing you, 
for a long time. I could see that that would be hard. And it would be hard for your wife if she was married to a gay guy. If you had to transition, if she had to transition with you, that would be no fun. (laughs) No, she's already said, like, if I transition, I'm out. But you guys knew that from day one before you committed. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of like ours. If you want any more kids, you're out. Just leave now. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it and it was uh, really fine because I had already decided that I wasn't going to. Yeah. You a few years ago before you guys got together, I remember we were having some of these conversations. When I came to visit you guys in, in the, you were still in San Francisco then. Yeah. And um, we were talking about basically you were a genderqueer fag. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so you still are that person. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a, a very queenie guy. And I guess right now a queenie straight guy. Yeah. So there, everybody in your spectrums. <laughs> Figure that out. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's about it. Yeah. I can think of a few people that have been on a learning curve for a while that um would have to work on that for quite a bit to understand what was going on there. The reason I think of myself that way is I think because it like I always felt bad about not being feminine and so I kinda taught myself to be feminine and I learned from drag queens. And so I just kind of feel like that's, that's what my femininity is about. It's about pretending to be female. That's, that's totally where I'm at. And it's funny because the more feminine I present, the more masculine I feel. (laughs) And did I, you guys know I did drag a couple years ago? The drag kids I saw shows, that. I yeah. No, no, it was queen. No. I was yeah. a boat queen. You were a total yes. I, I was hysterical, was yeah. and it was it like in one of them. I was like this uh, really big pilgrim with like repressed sex issues. So she was trying to give um, a butter turn a blowjob and. You know, kind of attacking a snake and, you know, like just having some big issues. And that was fun. <laughs> that's, that's totally great. And then um, the one before that, I was I was Carrie Underwood and I was being upstaged by, you know, Dolly Parton in Ever... What is it? What was the... Was that Everlasting Love? Maybe. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But it, it was something inappropriate that the two of them should not have been singing <laughs> together. And, and I just loved it. And then I was, you know, being, you know, like Dolly Parton compared to Carrie Underwood. I mean, there's no comparison no. there. And so, like, I threw myself on the ground and I was crying mascara. Like, it was fun. It was that a lot great. of fun. That's totally great. <laughs> but definitely, like, an imitation of, you know, like Femininity, the same kind yeah. of Pretend, drag. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, I totally get that. And so if you place yourself on the spectrum, you know, how much masculinity, how much femininity, and in what presentations or what aspects of your existence do they present themselves? Are there any, you know, really pronounced, like, I do this like a girl, or I do this like a guy, or? No. No, everything is blendy. Everything is blending internally. Like I, I don't 
I don't think of myself as having gender. It's like this is all this gender stuff is imposed on the outside, right? Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, like had to figure it out and build it back up. And it, the other thing I'll say is like, I, I, I work in a, like a pretty sexist male dominated industry. And that's been super bizarre for me because like for the longest time there were like these burgeoning women's organizations that were trying to make it better for women to be in the, in the, in the career. And I, uh, didn't participate because I didn't feel entitled to participate. And at the same time, like was experiencing like all this sexism, like all the time, you know, like I was like, well, I, I kind of am one of those, but I also am really, really not. And, uh, don't, don't know if I even identify as a woman. So why should I be in these women organizations? And, um, but the thing that I will say is like, I've been, you know, uh, building my own teams in the last couple of years. And like, I've built teams that are 50% women, which is really an achievement. And it's been a great thing for me because I can uh, giggle, which I enjoy doing. <laughs> and people still take me seriously. <laughs> and, and it makes the environment more fun for everyone, mm-hmm. like the, the men and the women. And, and I can sign emails with thank you, which you wouldn't think would be really a hard thing to do, but, um, but the men that I would manage would just stop respecting me if I, you know, said, if, you thank if I thank them, them for something. And like when it's more like mixed, it just makes all those things more possible, right? It does. It does. For people who are naturally binary and for whom learning gender was a passive process, a lot of those things will gender you even though you don't intend them to be yeah. gendered characteristics. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, it, pretty much all of the ones that have been put in the binary categories have been selected and put there. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I tease Jess and say she's cooking like a man because she's in the kitchen with her, you know, I'm stomping el- around the kitchen, stomping and around I, the kitchen I don't with have elbows my elbows out. tucked in. I have them out. And, you know, you see that in a lot of... She's kind of lumbering. She's not swishing or anything like somebody with an apron. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not not whatsoever. Yeah. It's just cooking going on. Not not cooking. (laughs) So so that... But those are... I'm not cooking. All categorized. (laughs) Making the food. I am feeding my family. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I felt hair grow on my chest with that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So, like, how did you come to an understanding of being trans and exploding the binary? So I think, like, when I was growing up, I always, like, fit right in the middle in between um, genders. And, I, and that was super lonely because the boys didn't really want to play with me. And I didn't want to play with the girls. Like, I didn't understand these dolls and Barbies and, like, the playing house. I just didn't really get, like, there was just, like, a whole bunch of stuff. Like, and so I was, like, very much, like, in the middle. And maybe, you know, like, this is a reason that I am so introverted because I spent a lot of time alone. 
But um, but when I started to uh, like get to be 14 and 15, there was like a lot going wrong in my house. And I started being a lot more um, male identified. And probably if, if things had gone in that trajectory, I would have like for sure uh, transitioned or been like really um, butch, which I'm not. Or something, right? But mm-hmm. what happened is uh, my mom, who's a crazy, manipulative, like, demon. Yes. Um, I'm shaking my head. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she uh, confronted me um, about, like, um, thinking that men were strong and, and the direction that I was going. And it just – and she's so crazy manipulative that it was very effective. And it just, like – it just, like, set me off kilter. And then I was just kind of – Spinning. Yeah. Yeah. Spinning and lost and wandering around and, like, you know, in deep shame about, like, all the, like, masculinity that I felt. And I've I've heard other people, other feminists say that. How dare you reject your femininity? You could be a big, strong female. Oh, no. She doesn't want anyone to be a big, strong female. Women should be supporting men. And actually, like, she had in her mind for me that I was going to marry a black man because that's what really she wanted from her life but didn't do it interesting yep <laughs> i mean i i heard um i heard joan river saying what do you you know there an interview with joan river saying what do you want your grandson to be and she said gay <laughs> and, and, and they're like okay but why and what does he want to be and she said he wants to play football but i want him to be gay so somebody will care that i met judy garland <laughs> you know, that, I knew, that I knew her, and um, that is awesome. you know, so it's all it's all about you know somebody else. Yeah, yeah. and like that's a really big thing in, especially in upper middle class and upper class parenting to live vicariously through your children. It's scary. When I was teaching at the rich kids school one year for the talent show, the parents put their kids in a, in a band, taught them to play the instruments and taught them how to play smoke on the water Mm. so that they could be in the talent show in the band and the parents could wear press passes. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my mom wasn't allowed to go to college and she was the smartest, um, craziest, most manipulative of all like her siblings. And it was like, really a sexism thing. And so like in a huge amount of ways, she was trying to live through me and my brother, although my brother was like not um, functional at all. So like that, that dream was a little bit crushed and she was just trying to live through me. And there's a way that like she married my dad because he was, uh, you know, like an Italian on the wrong side of the tracks and like, and actually richer (laughs) Than, than, you know, like she was because she was very working class and my, my dad's family, like they were dentists, right? Mm-hmm. Even though they were Italians and like on the wrong side, of the, they were dentists. But like for her, this was the equivalent of marrying a black man. And so that's what she wanted for me is to marry the other and make them more kind of manageable. Because mm-hmm. that's what she did. Right. And, wow. and black men were the next, you know, like great conquering thing. And so actually like she worked as a secretary and she – consistently found black men to work for. Just just creepy. I'm just saying. And yeah. difficult, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and then she would like, uh, I, I used to be around this, and she would uh, then like kind of put them down for feeling like the world is racist, right? 
How, how I'm sorry, you, but it adds up because experience. I know the woman. You know, just a brief time that I that I did. And so you had this experience, yeah, with so your parents, of, you know, like you know, redirecting you away from masculinity, away from transition, after having felt sort of like in, that's where I was headed in the middle space, and you got redirected back towards femininity or towards neutrality or well i don't think i could get back to like femininity but i got back towards the more kind of neutral path right and did what i could right Mm -hmm. and um and spent a long time trying to figure out how to be more feminine and being ashamed of like all that was masculine inside of me and I was, you know, I'm pretty good at these things. So, I, you know, I figured I, some stuff out. Yeah, I that, had to so, learn femininity too. But yeah. not because I was ashamed of my masculinity, but mostly because I had never been raised with any social skills. And so learning how to interact with others was sort of this trial and error process. And I just learned these skills and I didn't realize that they were feminine traits until he started transitioning. And I didn't realize how gendered some of the things were. I'm just like, okay, this is what lubricates my social interactions mm-hmm. and for other people to interact with me, I can't act like this or this or this, but I can act like this or this or this mm-hmm. and complete strangers will be able to handle interacting mm-hmm. with me without exploding their brains. Yeah. And I had no clue that these things were gendered. Like yeah. you had said earlier, like gender was not a thing that I was aware of. Yeah. Until, you know, you come in until somebody comes along and says, "You can't do that." <laughs> <laughs> You're a girl. But I do want to say that one of the related to that that one of the things that gets me into trouble at work is I think things that seem um, masculine. Just being like, "Oh, okay, I get where you're going. I'm going to cut you off now." Uh, because that is not what I'm trying to tell you. Let's cut to the chase, right? And then they're yeah. just like, "Oh my God, mommy is mad at me," and I'm like. No. First of all, not your mommy. <laughs> Second of <Yeah>. all. <laughs> and something I've found helps, drop your voice. <laughs> when you have to interrupt them and when you have to take on that more masculine role, drop your voice. It just has this great going through the drive through voice, which I've heard very rarely. But it's I guess usually like through a coffee place, you know, like when we're driving Somewhere and I'm far. having a conversation with George, and I'm laughing about something, and we're talking about something, and so I'm very animated, and my voice uses more of the higher range to be quite so animated. And then, yes, I'd like a uh, quad grande soy. Mocha, whatever. Yes. That's it. <laughs> Get it to me now. And that'll be it. <laughs> just start laughing. <laughs> I can't help it. I laugh when she stomps around the kitchen, too, but in a happy way. It's funny. I, I love good. that he's very good. okay with me being not a woman. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So then from there, you're like exploring this space of what am I, where am I going, and how did you sort of settle into where you're at now? I I don't know that I'd say I'm like very settled. It's just where I am. I'd I, say you're to me, you're more settled than you ever were, but I was going to say... About 30 years later. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems about right. Yeah. yeah. About 30 years, years later. 30 yeah. years, yeah. Um, I think the, the thing that helped me a lot is I like had this weird fall into um, 
uh, pornography where I was like working as a pornographer and I was like an artist. And so like, instead of like pursuing what the world would think of as hot, I ended up being like a transgendered pornographer and like, and it wasn't a binary kind of transgendered thing. It was like the whole crazy spectrum. And I was like, Oh yeah, this makes sense. And I started to uh, feel okay about like wherever I was and whatever I was and whatever I wanted to do. I met female bodied people who felt like men and were attracted to men and dressed up in like kind of crazy drag to do this porn. Like and crazy femme drag and this, to do this, this porn. And this porn has you you got to know these people more than you might have others because yours was real people. It was documentary. Yeah. It was documentary. It I didn't like, set anything up. Yeah. So it was really like 20 minutes of interviewing them about like where they came from and why they were here and how did they became exhibitionists. And here's the really interesting thing is I found like, I mean, I, I don't fall into this camp at all, but it feels like people that are marginalized do very often want to be exposed in this weird exhibitionist way in this porn universe. And so it was like, it felt, and, and this feels I mean, like, I haven't said this in a long time, but it felt like God's work. Like, I was, like, freeing all these people, like, to great, like, economic detriment and, like, social detriment, too, because I was, like, a pariah. Nobody even wanted to invite me to parties because God knows what I was going to say. And God knows what I did all day. And I was, like, a lot of boring accounting, you know, <laughs> <laughs> really. And I think that's great that to to emphasize that because when you use the word weird referring to what they're into, you're not saying it as a – No. As a – disrespectful term you're saying it as a unusual and out of the ordinary yeah not a... and they knew that and they want everyone to feel it and see it and it was a good thing that's great and so having those experiences with those people helped you experience... feel comfortable with where i was not that i changed where i was but i just felt comfortable with it i was like you know what i really don't like my scraggly lay hair and i'm gonna shave it and I'm okay with shaving it. And what's more is I really do like my armpit hair. And there's some femmes that I like that have armpit hair. And there's some butches that I like that have armpit hair. And there's some men that shave it. And there's, a, you know, and I'm okay. Good for you. Yeah. And you just started shaving your armpit hair again. Yeah. Because I saw kind of like a, I, I don't know. I just, I, I saw this Red really, femme. yeah, radical uh, feminine lesbian. And I was like. Good God, I do not want to be that. She was out of control at the time. That, she was out of control. That was probably the real problem. It was. Yeah. And I was like... Uh, and her armpit hair was like was a personal prominent. statement. It was. <laughs> but also, like, there's this... You know how, like, there's these stereotypes in your head, and it's like, good God, please don't let me be that. There's this Jewish lesbian in my head, and I just looked at her, and I was like, oh, no! That <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, was for the armpit hair. That's yeah. great. So that's awesome. Well, you know what I was thinking about today, and maybe it was well. I think, I think maybe I started seeing it because I was thinking about this from last night. But I started to think about like the the places in the middle feel harder and more dangerous in a way than like than the binary sides, right? Like I was always actually really jealous of you, George, that like. You had straight male friends, and, like, they just treated you like a guy, right? Most of the time, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the boobs were distracting. I noticed once I started wearing a binder how... It how, made things easier It for made them. things way easier. Yeah. They could just talk to me. Yeah. They didn't have to, like, think, should I be saying something and not... Yep. You know? 
Yeah. Whereas I always felt, well, I, I do like run into situations a lot where I just feel like I can see what's going on in your head and you're trying to figure out whether you want to have sex with me or kill me. Right? Like this is a dangerous thing and I'm kind of attracted to it and I'm not sure what to do. Like, uh, neither of these things are appropriate, but thoughts through my head, kill it, have sex with it. Yeah, this is a guy problem. Yeah. yeah. The hormones are a big deal. They are. With the sex problem. Like, I thought it was bad before. <laughs> so to, you know, and the first thought is, can I stick my junk in it? Yeah. And if I can, would it be really dangerous to me either socially or physically mm -hmm. to do so? Yeah. But like, uh, you know, before before we turned the mic on, we were talking about oh, Stargate, the <laughs> movie that we accidentally saw. And there's, you know, and like things are going along and there's like some hot 80s dudes like careening through the desert and, and everything's like fine. And there's like weird tribal stuff going on. And then suddenly the villain literally from outer space shows up and, it, and it's like a, a teenage boy that acts really feminine and has like this dark Vader voice and it's just like the the thing that makes like him so terrifying and, and as a villain is that combination of the feminine and the masculine and the, the deep kind of booming scary you know kind of like I don't know like guttural like scary voice thing the all combined together right demonization of the gender mixture yeah and does that does that make us demons <laughs> I don't want to think about that right now. <laughs> I'm trying to get past that. <laughs> but the other, uh, like the the guy's name was it Jay Davidson? Yeah, Jay Davidson was the actor in that, and um, and my wife was saying like, oh, that's the one that was in the Crying Game, and that's funny because like I woke up this morning thinking about the Crying Game and thinking about like how powerful like that character is the woman before the camera and everybody else realizes that she's transgendered, right? Like, I mean, like some of us knew because we're like, mm, this is a funky club, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> but when the, when the character like uh, reveals like uh, her genitals and they're not, you know, like unexpected and like, you know, that character goes and throws up in the sink, like everything changes in that moment and she becomes this shrieky kind of shrill you know, like not strong person anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So before, like she had all this embodiment of like some gender kind of confusion in there that I could I could see right away, right? Because I'm queer and I'm like, ha ha, right? But, but, but in the film and everything, it just made her like more powerful and evocative until that moment when she was like fully exposed and then she was powerless, right? And in fact, she went to jail, right? Yeah, yeah. I've never seen the movie. It's an interesting movie. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting movie. I was like, I was really disappointed when it got to that place and she was no longer like fiercely sexy, but like became shrill and kind of weak, you know? Mm -hmm. And again, it's the awareness of gender nonconformity that takes away a person's social stature. Yeah. Well, trans people are very aware of that. Mm -hmm. That's why they're trying to figure out how to deal with everybody who's trying to deal with them. Yeah. Especially the ladies. Yeah. 
Yeah, they have a rougher go of that. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something really threatening, and I feel like the like the the you know the mixed gender problem, the villainization has to do with like the straight men and like can I have sex with it? Kind of like. Wait, am I, what's going on here? Am I still in the right? You know what I mean? And that uh-huh. that's like even crazy and more volatile for trans women because they're deliberately giving up this thing that is so valuable, right? In society, like allegedly, right? It's like so crazy. It, and I just see it like with guys like throwing it, like, why would you do this? And it just like throws their head into like this crazy tailspin where it's like okay and murder is an option right now right yeah and it reminds me of this thing that happens in fiercely religious communities fundamentalist communities where they convince themselves that any person who's not part of their community cannot genuinely be happy yeah because we have happiness and if this thing makes me happy then it must make other people happy and if it doesn't make other people happy, then they're just wrong. Yeah. And if I see them being happy without this aspect of my personal existence, then I must demonize their happiness. And I see the same thing happening with white male privilege. Like, I live happily with male privilege, and why the heck would you want to give it up? So there must be something wrong with you, and you yeah. don't deserve to exist. Yeah. But it feels like the thread there is essentialism, right? Which is, like, probably the most powerful religion and dangerous, right? Whatever it is that I believe is the truth. That's how the Crusades happened. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I'm one of those weird Jesus people, but I'd be the first one to admit that Ain't nobody got a corner on truth. Yeah. yeah. That would make you an unusual Jesus person. Not that unusual. To, well. The, I think the thing is that we see, like, a whole bunch of, um, you know, that the people that we see mostly in any religion is, are the most outspoken ones. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the, the most outspoken people in most religions are essentialists, Right. The gets the news coverage. Yeah. But the reality is, like, I used to live, like, out in the boonies in a very rural kind of a community where it, like, took 20 minutes to leave because you had to, you know, talk to all your neighbors along the way, right? And the the people that owned that big plot of land were, um, were right-wing Christian conservatives. And um, they didn't really go to church that much, but they really did believe and... They didn't like lesbians, but goddamn it, I was their lesbian, and they were going to protect me with a gun, often. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, like, I, and I think that's the real reality about um, religious people. Yeah, and I think a lot of queers, especially, and queers who grew up in places that had that fundamentalist streak, you hear the loudmouths. And all the people who would otherwise be accepting kind of get shoved into line by the loudmouths. And so they don't have that awareness of, wait, there are some good religious people. Yeah. But the other thing is, like, I think that if you're raised and injured in a religion or in any religion, then all the religions become very dangerous and suspect. Mm -hmm. And I'm lucky enough that I wasn't. 
Right. We we know some folks that who, who have worked very hard to to try to do a lot of mending. Straight straight folks who have tried to do a lot of mending of of uh, that damage. Yeah. And I certainly had some of that damage, but I never really believed in the whole Bible thing anyway, though. It just didn't strike me as, as it strikes Jess. You know, mm-hmm. doesn't didn't ever do that. But here we have a couple of friends who have come a long way in, in their Jesus seeking. <laughs> and so he used to do the type of groups with somebody who in Jess's church that um, were the, you know, pray yourself straight type things. Mm. He used to do Exodus and all that kind of stuff a long time ago. And then, you know, coming from there to now where he's, it was a really big deal for him in the, in the business he's in. He had a lot of business from the Christian community. Mm-hmm. And recently he has had not because because he's no longer supporting what they call reparative therapy. Mm-hmm. And his wife has been in a religious group for like... Uh, she was a professional mm-hmm. minister. Yeah. And because she is supportive of the queer community as well, she's losing her job. Yeah. And she's losing her job of many, many years in the organization she's been in since she was a teenager. Mm. So he's not getting business mm-hmm. because he used to get business from the Christian community. And because they are supportive of the queers, mm-hmm. they're not. Yeah, And they have decided quite adamantly is uh, that they are not backing down. Good for because them. they say... You know, um, what if we're wrong? They want they want to say that to everybody to know. And their experience has been more and more queer over the years. Um, he he was the minister for our wedding, mm-hmm. and he thought he'd get a lot of flack. Then and he actually got a lot of business after that for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, more recently, not because because also of his wife's um, standing. Mm-hmm. And in her organization, what they had recently done is decided to, they dec- they were saying, well, it's okay to be queer, just you can't, like, do that. You can be queer, but not do it. Okay. You, and you she can, said, you can be who you are, but you can't, like, actually have a relationship. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and her viewpoint of that is that is a lonely life. And I don't think anybody should have to live that kind of a life. Yeah. And I, I think that we could be very, very wrong here and that that we need to take another look at this. Mm-hmm. And so they've been doing all that kind of work. So there's them, but then I see all the people that come up against them. And I know a lot about the dark side of the Jesus people in this town mm. because of... Because of your work. My work and because of what he, he can tell me about dealing with them. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I don't get to... To recognize it as much as what how I kind of think of it, I don't get to recognize the sane Jesus people <laughs> as much. And he was one of the first sane Jesus, Jesus people I ever knew. Yeah. Um. So anyhow, religion. now you you mentioned earlier that you didn't want to be like this Jewish lesbian. You are a Jewish lesbian. Yeah. Ish. Ish. 
yeah. <laughs> like I don't know what it like uh that was like an interesting thing is like when I was like you know a pornographer and I was looking around and like trying to figure out like what this all means and it's just like well like being genderqueer and being a lesbian right there you have a conflict right uh-huh. and I'm okay with that conflict but it is you know an odd conflict and I can choose at any moment to just be like nope you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. either one of those things, because they're in conflict. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think, you know, that that's good that you can simultaneously hold what seem to be conflicting identities, mm-hmm. but integrate them as well as you can. That being said... I'm Jewish. You are Jewish. I'm Jewish. <laughs> yes. And how did that come about? Like, were you were were My you Jewish raised cousin. Jewish? No, I um, I converted, and I started converting when I was twenty five, and it took seven years. Mm-hmm. It was it was a real active uh, commitment, and um, during that seven years, I like founded and led a Jewish community, and I. Uh, like headed up the ritual committee and I taught Hebrew and I did all sorts of things that a non-Jew doesn't typically do. And, but it did take seven years to become Jewish. Mm-hmm. And I was at, at, for a while, I was like, I, I could see myself becoming a rabbi. And then I was like, Oh yeah, but I hate people. So <laughs> that's such a good idea. Yeah, I, I, I also thought I might have at one time had a future in ministry, only it was on the Jesus side. And yeah. Yeah. No. Mm. Well, and, and actually, at some point, like, I thought I could be a good therapist counselor. And I, you know, it was the same kind of decision. Well, actually, I kind of hate people. Lots of therapists do. Yeah. Lots of therapists hate people. I have people. inside information. Yeah, I yeah. bet. <laughs> but the, the, the path to deciding to become a Jew was because you, you dated a lot of Jewish girls and, and in between find yourself going to temple anyway. Yes. Yeah, that, actually just one hmm. Jewish girl for four years and she was real conflicted. Am I a Jew? Am I not a Jew? I was like so injured by this in my life, but... I am going to services and you're coming with me. And I was like, okay. And then I started um, going when she wasn't going, which she didn't like at all. Um, <laughs> and then I, my Jewishness. Yeah. You actually, can't have it. Yeah. <laughs> you will participate and that's all. And then I <laughs> broke up with her and I, uh, like, I won the community in the custody battle. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, Good for you. Yeah. Despite that you do not like people. well you know most people are okay it's just like general people but you know that's the funny thing it's like that line from the will smith movie the what was it men in black a person is smart people are stupid yes exactly exactly or like this is my lesbian god damn it i'm gonna protect her with a gun you know Yes. (laughs) yes in general they all should die, but this one's mine. <laughs> yes, that's great. So continue with your story about becoming Jewish. So, yeah, I, I don't know that there's much more to it. I just, uh, I, I, you know, spent um, like six months going to services without a Jewish girlfriend. And I was like, well, you know, I should probably should her get off the pot. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, so I went to um, like the 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 guy, and he wasn't a rabbi, but he was like a lay rabbi, which is how the community was led. Um, 
and said, I, um, I want to convert to Judaism. And he was like, oh, you know, we have to, um, I have to turn you down three times and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But apparently, like, I, I met the criteria for, you know, not being turned down three times kind of accidentally, which he thought I knew because I had studied so much, which is if you say, well, I want to convert to Judaism, but I'm not sure I deserve it, right? <laughs> because then you're as humble as Moses and, and you can't turn that person down because they'll just walk away. Whereas most people, you have to say like, what? You've only got 10 commandments. You're taking on 613, which is really like 272 because the temple doesn't exist right now. But still, 613 is a lot of commitments. Yes. <laughs> and wouldn't you rather just like not kill? So anyways, um, so uh, the reason it took so long is he was kind of um, sexist and manipulative <laughs> And it, and and somewhere near the very end, like he kind of pushed me into a corner where he was like, "In our community, you need to vote this on um on this direction on this subject, or I will not convert you." And I was like, "Okay, I don't want you to convert me either way, and I'm going to vote however I want." Mm-hmm. And then I just now had this to... was not the trans guy who did your wedding, was it? No. Okay. No. Good. No. 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 Um. And actually, there was like another trans guy that did convert me. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who I actually wanted to do the wedding, but it was like the wedding happened right be- between um, and the weekend between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which is a little bit busy for Jews. A little bit, yeah, a little bit busy. Um, to so the other guy was available, and that that ended up being great. He was awesome, right? Yeah, yeah, he was. It was great. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! Do we have anything else to discuss? No, how long do you go on? Usually 20 to 30 minutes. This will probably end up cutting into two episodes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just to edit it first and see what there is. See yeah. how much yeah. content there is left. Yeah. We probably do have other conversations that don't get captured. And we almost never really say what I think we're going to say. Yeah. We say, like, some parts of it, but not on the same overall theme or something. Yeah. yeah. It's never what I think will happen. Will come out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs>